things, sometimes it's hard to believe that we've been doing this here in Vero Beach for eight years. I remember, <laughs> I remember when we started, you know, I thought like, you know, man, if the church can like just grow to 100 people, you know, that'll be awesome, you know. And then like 200 people, that'll be amazing. And, you know, then we thought, well, you know, maybe if we can just get to like, you know, let's like, see if the Lord can take us to like, you know, 500, it'll be amazing, you know. And then God moved us to the mall and I thought, Lord, this is such a big place. How are we going to, how's this going to happen and what's going to happen? And then the Lord just, you know, expanded and people just came, you know. So it's been amazing. You know, when I reflect on it, there's a few things that kind of stand out to me as to what I believe the Lord, you know, is wanting us to do, has wanted us to do from the very, very start. You know, that there are certain things that He wants us to focus on as a church. Every church has its part to play in the body of Christ. Every church is different. You know, not all churches are the same. You know, are some churches better than others? Probably. But that's not the point. That doesn't mean that we have to be critical. You know, and, you know, do we have to agree with error? Absolutely not. But, you know, sometimes somebody that's uninformed, you know, we should treat them in a way that would make them more open to things that are correct or more, if that makes sense. You know, but I remember... <clears throat> When God spoke to us about planning the church, you know, it was like, I think it was, it was like, I don't remember if it was the first service that I did or the, the weekend after. I was preaching in a service, it was at Revive Church in Stewart, and it was called Refresh. The services were called Refresh. They were very Holy Ghost fire type services. And, you know, I would preach there on, on Wednesday nights, and, you know, at that stage, Pastor Todd, you know, had sort of had this major encounter with God, and it was it was a very interesting, a very interesting time. And God would do these amazing things in these services. And after God spoke to us about planting the church, I remember um, this guy coming up to me, and he said to me, "You're going to go to Vero Beach," and he said, "You're going to you're going to start a fire in Vero Beach." When, when, I, when I used to think about fire in the past, I always used to imagine, you know, when the fire of God comes on a person, you know, how that fire just, you know, it's just, it's awesome, you know. If you've ever had an encounter where the fire of God comes on you, it's the most amazing thing. But as time has gone on and God has begun to work in my heart, I've begun to realize more and more what everything that he's asked me to do means. Our, our vision at Oceans is to teach and demonstrate the love and the power of God because I truly believe that that's what brings His fire. You must remember the fire comes when the fire of God falls on you. It falls on you and it, it touches you, it changes you, and it burns out the stuff. You know, the Bible uses much more graphic words than that, you know. It's, I just say stuff because I want to be pastoral you know <clears throat> but it burns out all that stuff at the same time it has this effect of causing you to become passionate for God it causes you to become zealous and hungry for God I remember 
you know, somebody saying that, you know, we shouldn't be so zealous, you know, and I thought to myself, well, you know, I love you, brother. I didn't think that then, and now I think that way. You know, back then I thought other things, <laughs> you know, and, but I, I thought to myself, how, you know, if I lose that zeal, if I lose that passion, my fire will go out. You know, and over the years, you know, I would, you know, always seek God to move powerfully in the church, to touch people's lives. And I've seen how one encounter, and I can, there's people sitting in this room, I've seen God encounter you on one, in one event, one evening, or one morning service, or an e-course, or something like that. And that moment was the moment where everything changed for you. You know, those burning bush experiences where God comes to you and visits you for the very first time and you encounter him in a way that it truly changes you forever. And so in church, I find that many of us, when we get saved, when we have these encounters, we begin to pursue God in different ways. And pursuing him in these ways is not necessarily bad. In fact, I think pursuing God in any way, as long as you're pursuing him, is a good thing. But sometimes our priorities or what is important to us can sometimes be a little bit, you know, sort of not quite on the right track. Or let me rather say this. There are ways to pursue God, but there is one way to pursue God that will truly transform your life. And I mean truly transform your life. As a young minister, I remember one of the things I always desired greatly was to see the power of God. It wasn't that I did. I loved God so much always. I used to worship, I used to spend hours worshiping, weeping, all that stuff. But I was very much desiring to see the power of God manifest. And it was a good desire because I wanted to see people's lives changed. And I find that many Christians today are like that. They, they pursue the, the power of God. They pursue healing in their own lives. They pursue deliverance in their own lives. They pursue the manifestations of the Spirit. You know, this is the encounter service, so I'm going to talk this way. Is that okay? Okay, so we, we you know, we, we, we are very open to this sort of, anyway, let's just keep going. You understand me. By now, if you don't get it by now, then, you know, I don't know. All right, so, and if you're here for the first time, just do what everybody else does. And if you're thinking of leaving, we lock the outside doors. They're locked already, so you can't leave. Because I can see there's a couple here that you're thinking of leaving. I know exactly where you are, and I'm not looking at you intentionally. But I want you to know that you can't leave. And before the service is over, I'm going to get you. <laughs> now they're really nervous. I don't even want to look up now. I don't even want to look up. Okay. It's amazing that if you look at the life of Jesus, you will see that there were, there was multitudes that followed him. There were multitudes that followed him, just like the church today. There are multitudes that follow him. But then what ends up happening is he ends up giving authority to 70. Only 70 get chosen or receive the call to go out and minister, 70 out of the multitudes. And, and we know that there were 5,000 at one time with Jesus when he ministered. There was 3,000 at another event or 4,000 at another event. We know that there were big groups that followed him. Just like today in the church, there are multitudes, large groups of individuals that follow Jesus. Unfortunately, there are oftentimes a small minority that embrace 
the more, the, the things that are more. Like, for example, when Jesus sends out the 70, he gives them authority. They go out, they come back, they rejoice. And many in the church today are just like those two groups. The multitude that follow him, the multitude that believe in him, the multitude that believe in the signs, they believe in the wonders, they believe that God exists. But they don't want to enter into the supernatural themselves. They don't want to be used by them. They don't want to be used themselves. It's too much for them. So Jesus only chose 70 to be selected and go out and actually do the work of the ministry. But I believe that all of us are called to do that. What's really interesting is we see that there's 12 as well that he also sends out at a later stage. So there's 70, or actually they go first, but that's not the point. The point is, is that there's groups of, big groups, multitudes, groups of 70, and they can be any size, but there's always people that only go so much further. And then there's the 12 that go much further, spend much more time with, with Jesus, encounter him far more. But then what's really interesting is that there are only three that experience something truly remarkable. There's only three out of all these individuals that walk with Jesus that see him in another form. This is, this is so powerful. Let's go to Matthew 17, verse number one. Matthew 17, verse number one. Many go after purpose. Many follow Jesus. Many want to learn and grow. But very few go up the mountain of God. Matthew 17, one says, now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. So it was just the four of them. Peter, James, John, and Jesus. Just the three of them with Jesus went up this mountain. And at the top of the mountain, something happens. The Bible says in verse number two, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. Can you imagine? And his clothes became as white as the light. The only other place that we see Jesus like this is when he appears in the book of Revelation. And when he appears in the book of Revelation, the Bible describes John as having such an encounter that he falls down. He's, he, he's, he's so impressed by what he sees. It makes such an impact on him. And we see Jesus in this glory. The only other place that we see him like this is when he's going to come again. So what happens is, is Peter, James, and John go up the mountain with Jesus and at the top of the mountain, he reveals his glory to them. He reveals himself to them the way he has not revealed himself to any of the others. And it's interesting because it's not like all the other situations where all they had to do was just be with him. In this situation, there was a little bit of effort. There was some effort to climb the mountain. Listen, I have been to Israel. I have seen those mountains. And many say that when we stand in, in um, when we stand where, where Mount Carmel is and you look, you can actually see the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And the Mount of Transfiguration is not like this little hill. We're talking about a mountain. And this mountain would not be easy to walk up. But the fact of the matter is, is that these three follow Jesus up the mountain. And when they got to the top of the mountain, he chose to reveal himself the way he really is, his glory. His, he, they, he revealed a part of himself that no one else had seen. I don't know about you, but I desire to see his glory. I desire to encounter the Lord in a way that he doesn't reveal himself to, to everyone. I want to be where, where the Bible says that we can be a friend of God. He says he, says he speaks to Moses as, as a man speaks to his friend. Face to face, he has an encounter with God. He speaks to God face to face. Jesus takes these three up to the mountain and reveals his glory to them. These three disciples are the three that truly were remarkable. John was a, th a son of thunder who later, because of the glory and walking with Jesus, is so transformed that he becomes the disciple of love. Why? Because the glory of God that is Jesus transforms him so remarkably that he cannot be a, th a son of thunder anymore. And while he was walking with Jesus, it wasn't like he was doing anything bad, but Jesus began to change his heart more and more and more and more. Peter became so committed to the Lord that he said he would give his life for the Lord. Yes, he denied him, but because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was fully restored. But the encounters that he'd had with Jesus and seeing Jesus this way was so remarkable. It's interesting, though, that there was only three that he revealed his glory to that way. You see, when we talk about the glory of God, the glory of God is something that I don't know about you, but I desire. We sing about the glory. We preach about the glory. But my desire is to be in the presence of God where his glory manifests. Because in his glory, something happens. And I'll teach you about that as we go on this evening. But what you must understand is that if you want to know what God is like, you can see the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is who God is. It is his nature. It is his glory. It's his doxa. It's, it's who God is. So when Jesus was on the earth, you could see what that was like by looking at Jesus. By looking at Jesus, you could see what God was like. You could see his love. You could see his joy. You could see peace and kindness and gentleness. You could see humility in Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who was humble and a servant. Are you with me? That's who he was. And many got to see that part of him. But not many got to see the part that those three disciples got to see. And in order for them to see that, they had to go up that mountain. They had to ascend that mountain. Many people are content with studying the Bible, with learning the Bible. Many people are content as long as God is blessing them. 
You know, the hand of the Lord is on me because I'm blessed. Nobody's sick. We've got lots of money. I'm blessed. Why is it so quiet? (laughs) Others just want to see miracles. You must understand that all the disciples saw miracles. The multitude saw miracles. But only three ascended the mountain. Only three saw him transfigure, saw him change, saw him become white like light, and saw him be transformed into a holy image. Man, I want to see that. Amen. We know that Moses ascends the mountain when he encounters God for the very first time. And God tells Moses, listen, I want the children of Israel to come up here. I want to reveal myself to them. But the children of Israel choose not to ascend the mountain of the Lord. Let's go to Deuteronomy 5, verse number 23. Deuteronomy 5, verse 23. So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. See, many people like the fire, but they don't want to go up the mountain. We have seen the day that God speaks with men, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more. Then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? You, Moses, you go near and hear all that the Lord your God may say. And tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. You see, the reality is, is that many believers today, just like the children of Israel, are happy to be fed in the wilderness, are happy to see the signs and the wonders, even enjoy the fire and the power and the sea parting and all that stuff. But when it comes to ascending the hill of the Lord, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. So they say, Moses, you go. You go up the mountain. You go for us. You go listen to what God has to say. And we know that Moses goes up the mountain. Moses speaks with the Lord in the most amazing way. And God says, uh, Moses actually says to God, listen, God. He says, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory, Lord. And God says to Moses, listen, you cannot see me like that. And ultimately, to cut a long story short, he hides him in the cleft of the rock. He takes Moses and hides him in the cleft of the rock, and he shows his back to Moses. He shows his goodness. His goodness passes by him. Many scholars believe that that's when when Moses got to see his back, the past. That's what some scholars believe. But the reality is, is that Moses was full of sin. And because he was full of sin, he could not see God the way that... I desire to see him today. I want to see the face of the Lord. I want to look at him and I want his glory to change me. Amen. Moses wanted to be in the presence of God. 
Moses desired to be where God was. He would go and spend hours in the presence of the Lord where the children of Israel would get so mad that they would build golden calves. While Moses was in his glory, he would come down from the presence of the Lord and his face would shine because of the glory. That glory, just being in that atmosphere where God was, was changing even Moses' form. But you must understand that Moses was still full of sin. So the Bible has something to say about this. If you want to ascend the hill of the Lord like Moses did, David understood what it would take to ascend the hill of the Lord because David had a desire as well to encounter the presence of God. Who in this room this evening says to me, or who of you in this place desire the glory, to enter into the glory, the presence, the glory of God? You know, over the years, I've heard so many people try to articulate God's glory. It's impossible to truly articulate it. But what I can tell you is I know what it will do to you. I know what it does to you when you pursue God with your whole heart. Not the power, not the miracles and the provision and all that stuff. Yes, we're grateful for all of that. But when you pursue Him with your whole heart, something happens. When you choose to ascend that hill. Now watch. Psalm 24, verse number one. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. I could preach a whole sermon right there. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Here it is. Who, who, who can go up there? Who can go up to that mount of transfiguration? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord to go into the presence of God where the glory of God is? Who can do this? He says, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his, the God, from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. David was seeking his face. David wanted to be in the presence of God. And he speaks here actually almost about an entire generation that will do this. But I want to show you something. So what does it take? What is required for us to ascend the mountain of God? To go into that place where God reveals himself to us and then what happens to us when we're there? So the first thing is, what does it take? Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy hill? He says, he who has clean hands. He who has a pure heart. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. It all fits together. He who has clean hands. This can mean many different things in a pure heart, but they're connected. Basically, what you do is, is, is honest and, clear and pure and clean. Your heart is upright before God. Your heart is clean and pure before Him. Who in this place has a pure heart? I'm going to say nothing. 
who has not lifted his soul to an idol. You've put nothing out. You've, put, you've lifted your soul up to nothing else but the Lord. Has not sworn deceitfully. Who has not sworn de- deceitfully in this room? How can we do this so that we can enter into that place? How can we get to that place where we can qualify to get up that hill? You see, you must understand something. This is so important. Those who seek righteousness, those are the ones who will be filled. You must always desire to do what is right. Seek his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you will be filled. You'll receive everything you need. Are you with me? All these things will be added unto you. Are you with me? But you need to recognize something, guys. First of all, it's who may ascend the hill of the Lord. But the question is, who wants to? Because before we talk about how we can qualify, who has a desire to? And the problem is, is that there are too many of us that don't desire it. Or maybe we did, but we don't anymore. Or maybe we, 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 we were desiring everything else and not that part because that's the part that does actually require some effort. You've got to climb up that mountain, buddy. Takes a little bit of time. It doesn't, climbing the mountain, there are parts of it that you don't, you know, it's not a good feeling. But then when you're there, the result is incredible. Are you guys with me? So he says, those who have clean hands, those who have a pure heart, those that have not lifted up an idol, those, those people, those, you and I, I believe that that's you and I. And that's you. You have clean hands. You have a pure heart. Oh, but Pastor Alex, you know, you know, you don't know what I did this afternoon. Never mind yesterday. You see, you don't, but Jesus, Jesus did. Jesus does. He has clean hands. He has a pure heart. He did not ever swear falsely. He did not lift his soul to any idol. He only did what he saw the Father do. He gave his entire life as a sacrifice to qualify you, to cleanse you, to give you the right to ascend this hill. You see, what most people don't understand is that when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he die for you to inherit eternal life, but he also died for you to have miracles. He also died for you to have deliverance. Now, some people get this part. They believe this. That's why they'll, they'll be backslidden and still have a miracle. Oh, come on, man. Half of you in this place have been backslidden and had a miracle. Some of you get this awesome word, but you're so rotten. And God still gives you this amazing word about how wonderful you are. If, it was, if I was God, I wouldn't do that. 
I'll tell you how bad you are. Just like that. <laughs> so you've got to understand that was all free. Well, I mean, when I say it was free, it cost Jesus everything. But you don't have to do anything except believe and follow him and you'll receive it. The same way that it's his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. But the key, there is a key and you have to understand this. That's why everything you do, you must understand that you are in Christ. That's why you get baptized into Christ. That's why, you know, those who are in Christ Jesus, you will have no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ. Are you with me? But we have to be in Him. You see, outside of Christ, you have nothing. But in Him, you qualify. Does that mean, oh, that means that I can just sin and do what I want? Try it. See how it works out for you. No, you should still seek righteousness, but understand that you have been cleansed, that your hands have been cleansed. That means that even if you're not perfect, you can still ascend the hill of the Lord. You see, too many people did do it, but because they've made mistakes, they now feel like they can't, and something happens. Watch this now. Is everybody okay? Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's go to Second Corinthians three, verse seventeen. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. He is the Lord. He is here on earth right now. He lives on the inside of you. He will be in you and He will be with you. That's the Holy Spirit. And He is the Lord, right? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You are free. You have been set free. You have been delivered. Stop going back to all the, the things that you used to. Stop carrying the burdens of your past. Stop going back to the mistakes you made when you were 13 years old. Let it go. You're now free. The Spirit of the Lord now dwells in you. You are free. It doesn't mean you can act like a maniac. That's not what that means. I mean, if you want to act like, do, you know, do it, but do it at home preferably. Okay? All I want to know is, do you act the way you do in church at home? If you do, well, then, you know, that's good. If not, well, that's questionable. Okay. <clears throat> now watch. But we all with unveiled faith, uh, face, the veil's gone. So we have no veil. Behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, so as we behold the image of God, the glory of God, as we behold Him, as we're in His presence, if we ascend the hill of the Lord and we begin to seek God, there is a glory. That glory will begin to transform you. That glory will begin to change you. You see, if you spend time with someone, if you spend time with me and I spend time with you, more than likely we're going to start sounding like each other. I'll even say things that you say, maybe do things that you do. 
or you'll do things that I do or say things that I say. My wife and I say things the same all the time. I watch my kids. They begin to say things that I say. When you're in someone's presence, when you're in the glory of God, the glory of God begins to transform you. It begins to change you. You see, you want to know how to really overcome those sins and those things? You must make a decision to ascend the mountain of the Lord. You must make a decision to go after not only the goosebumps, not only the prophecies, not only the miracles, not only that stuff. Everybody had that. That's already been paid for. That's yours anyway. But those who'd really desire to be transformed, those that truly desire to, to be go from a, from a son of thunder to the apostle of love, those are the ones that ascend the mountain of the Lord. says, he says, are being transformed into the same image. What image? The image of, of Jesus in the image of Christ. From what? From glory to glory. More time with him, you will change more. You will be more useful. You will become more fruitful. Your life will, become, will begin to change. When you come out of that place where you spend time in the glory of God, when you come out, that glory will be seen by others and begin to affect their lives. Listen, you can be a pastor, a minister, an evangelist, a prophet, whatever it is, and you can call fire down from heaven and lay hands on a thousand people. But when you go home, if your children don't see God's glory in your life, they will never be transformed. They will never follow Jesus. If they don't see the glory of God beginning to change you, that you're becoming more and more like Jesus, they will never be convinced. They will never be convinced. He says, he says, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So who's doing the work? The Holy Spirit. So when you make a decision to ascend the mountain of the Lord, and listen, you don't physically have to go find a mountain. You're going to struggle in Florida. <laughs> but maybe it's time that we stop focusing on all the stuff, good stuff, and just decide that Listen, I want to get into your presence, God. If you're not with me, I don't want to do anything, Lord. I, I love the signs and the wonders and the miracles. I, I really do. I really do. More than you know. Probably more than all of you. I love to see the fire of God hit someone. It's so awesome. But when somebody spends time with the Father, when someone goes into that holy place and spends time in His presence, those people are different. Because when they walk in the room, it's like God walks in the room. Literally. I've seen it. When someone is spending time with the Lord, that's not God. They're not God. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that presence is there. That glory remains. It stays on them. 
and then you begin to see how they begin to transform. Well, Pastor Alex, you know, you know, I've been prayed for a hundred times. I've had fire fall on me. I shook, I've shaked, the demons came out. You know, I went somewhere else. I got this prophetic word. Brother, let me ask you a question. When last did you do what Jesus said when he said, go into your room and shut the door and spend time with him? Well, how should I do it? It doesn't matter. You don't have to do it like I do it. I've got my way. You've got to find your way. But desire to have an, a meeting with him face to face. And he will reveal himself to you. You know, when, when, God, when Moses begins to ask God about his glory, he says, I will reveal my name to you, Moses. And we know that Moses writes the first five books of the Bible and you see how God reveals his name in all the different places, who he is, his nature, his character. So God shows Moses who he is by telling Moses his story. Isn't that amazing? Spend time with God, guys. The supernatural is wonderful. But when last did we have a desire to just worship him? To just spend time with him? so that we can be transformed from glory to glory, changed forever. Because when you encounter the Lord, you can never be the same. And I desire that, that each and every one of us discovers God that way that way where he is so powerful, so wonderful. The amazing thing is, is that being with him just begins to transform you. And all of a sudden you are able to overcome things you couldn't before because your love for being with him becomes greater than anything else. But I can tell you now it's unlikely, I can't say it isn't, that it'll come from anywhere else, true victory and true transformation. So we're gonna start right now. So can I ask the band to come up real quick? Are you guys okay? Remember, Remember this before we get into worship in, in a moment. Let me just read you real quick, just a few verses. How can I ascend the hill of the Lord, Pastor Alex? I don't have clean hands. I don't have a pure heart. Listen, my heart is challenged every week. I repent, I go before God, but I must remember that the one that has made me righteous, he's done it, he's qualified me. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to be in Him. Romans 13, 14, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, put Him on. Put Him on, guys. Put Him on. Put Him on. Not yourself. 
put him on. I put Christ on. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Are you with me? Being justified, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If I'm in Christ Jesus, I receive that redemption. Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have done what? Have put Him on. I've put on Christ. I have been cleansed. My hands are clean. My heart is pure. And Lord, I will come before your presence even if I don't feel worthy, even if I feel like I've made a mistake because I know the only place I'm truly going to transform is when I'm at your feet, is when I'm in your presence, Lord. Like Moses said, I'm not going anywhere unless your presence comes with me, God. I want to seek after your presence. I desire to be with you, Lord, to be with you and only you, God. You are my healer. You are my deliverer. And I know all these things, Father. I know who you are. I, I've, I know that you are El Shaddai. I know that you are El Elyon. I know that you are Jehovah Rapha. I know that you are all of these things, God. But Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you, God. I want to spend time with you, Lord. I desire, Father, that you transform me. I can't be the same way anymore, Lord. Because, Lord, this, 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 this struggle between the flesh and the spirit is so strong that all I desire is to ascend the mountain of God so that I can lie right there at your feet, Lord, so that you can take me and put me in the cleft of the rock. Who's the cleft of the rock? Jesus is the cleft of the rock. So I can be hidden in Christ. And that's what qualifies me. Moses didn't qualify because Moses was still unredeemed, but I have been redeemed. So I can go up the mountain. You have been redeemed. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Take it tonight. Take it tonight. Take it tonight. Take it, take it, take it. Now we worship. Let's worship. Come on, let's worship Him this evening. Let's really, really worship God. If you want to come to the front, you can. If you want to stay in your seat, you can. But worship Him, guys. Worship Him tonight from your heart. From your heart.
Israel. 
Father, tonight in this place, your presence is here, Lord. And I pray, Father, that this would not just be about an experience this evening or what we've done here, but Lord, that this would become our lifestyle, that we would ascend the mountain of the Lord to meet with you, God, where your glory would be revealed to us and begin to transform us as we behold you in a mirror, Father. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you more, Lord. I want to spend more time with you, God. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Lord. So many in this place, God, I know that their desire is to know you more, to walk with you. Father, don't let our shortcomings, our weaknesses prevent us from from going into your presence, from seeking your face. Because Jesus, you you are the one who has qualified us. It's not our righteousness. Even when we think everything is going so great and we're doing so well, we're probably not. It's only your blood that qualifies us. It's only your sacrifice that makes us righteous. So I choose to be in you, God, in you, Jesus. I surrender. I hide myself in you because I'm seated with you, in you, in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. Why should we be influenced by the enemy when we can rest in you? Father, I pray for every person tonight in this building, those watching online, I pray for you as well that your thirst for God would increase to know Him more. That the Holy Spirit be the one that does the work in you as you seek the face of God, as you seek His face with your whole heart. Lord, we love you, we honor you, and we worship you. Thank you for everything. We take nothing for granted in this place, Lord. Every miracle, every salvation, every moment that you've done anything in this place, we give you thanks for it. But Lord, we desire more than anything your presence in this place. We desire you, Lord Jesus. And so I give you thanks. All the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a clap. Amen. I want to ask you, a man to a man, a woman to a woman, go and give somebody a big hug and go and just just give them a hug and just encourage them and strengthen them. And I want to just release you guys. Go in the peace of God. If you need prayer, I'll have leaders up front. Come back tomorrow morning. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. God bless you.